heard you had a show coming up. Yeah, this weekend you coming? Dude, I will be there. Nice. So you got your tickets? Oh, not yet. I'm gonna get them tomorrow though. The show's sold out. Don't worry, I, I got you on the guest list. Oh man, you're the best. Can I get a plus one? Uh, don't push your luck. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to On the Guest List with Fox Trot and the Get Down and our new co-host, David Williams, White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports. Dave, how are we, buddy? I could not be better, fellas. We just had our little uh, hodgepodge behind the scenes. You guys know I'm fresh as a daisy. I am in no way <laughs> tense or ready to fight anybody, and I just want to record episode one, our inaugural episode. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but we'll call it that, and uh, ready to get the ball rolling on this thing. For those of you who were listening or expecting the Kill Your Internet podcast, we announced it, but the Kill Your Internet podcast is dead. Let's explain how the fuck we got here. So, we did 73 episodes as the Kill Your Internet podcast. Ken, of course, why didn't you introduce Ken? Ken, how the fuck are you? Doing fucking good. Fuck you, Ken. All right, so, <laughs> we do 73 episodes as the Kill Your Internet podcast. Everything changed about a month ago when our friend Dave Williams, White Sox Dave, shot me a drunken text message. Dave, do you remember what the text message said? Yeah, it was, I forget exactly what I was doing, but I wasn't <laughs> evaded. Um, and that's like, that's like my favorite time to play guitar. I don't know if this is the case <laughs> for you guys, but I haven't even told you this yet, is I'll get home after inevitably striking out, trying to pick up a six. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just pull up the guitar. I'm like, I bet I would have scored her if I knew how to actually play guitar. So I'm just putting <laughs> her on the guitar and... You know, next thing I know, I'm like, no, I, I need someone to, like, teach me the guitar, not, like, YouTube videos and everything. And I hit you up because we had done the Kill Your Internet, I don't know, three, four times or whatever. And uh, you're like, yeah, man, let's fucking do it. And um, so that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing a little bit. So basically behind the scenes, right? Of course, we've joined forces now, and, and Dave is a part of the podcast. It is now on the guest list, and we'll get into why it's called that. But behind the scenes, our goal is a band is to turn Dave into a motherfucking rock star over the next year. So we are going to do everything in our power to teach Dave everything he needs to know to get on stage with us next year at some point when shows come back and absolutely destroy a fucking solo. So overall, the point is here, the podcast isn't necessarily changing. It's still a podcast by musicians, for musicians, all of that. We're still going to cover all the same stuff. But we have the added advantage now of having somebody – who is a fan also in the realms or fan and prospective musician. So let's not, let's not cut you short. Dave's learning. And every week we're going to update you on exactly what the fuck Dave is doing. So Dave, real quick, let's just get a quick status update. How is the guitar going? It's coming along actually decently well. Um, I mean, the same issues that I had before. So like, we'll give a quick background. Um, Honestly, so we can tease the guests at this point. We have Chris Schiffler coming on the lead guitars for the Foo Fighters. No big deal. Um, like, just listening to music, there are, there are, like, all growing up even, like, there'd be songs I'd just be listening to. I'd be like, I think I can play that one. So I started with the Foo Fighters. So um, the first song I did learn was Foo Fighters. There's a couple Bob Seger songs on there. And I'm getting the hang of it. Like, the hardest part for me was just transitioning between chords and learning bar chords. I know how to do the bar chords. It's the whole transitioning to one seamlessly, you know? When our first time doing it, you were good. I was like, this guy knows more than I thought he did. And I'm like, from a drunken text message to winding up doing a podcast together, this is going fucking smoothly. And we'll see how it gets to when we start to put you in front of people and we start to have you work with other people. But in the meantime, you're starting at a pretty good point. I think, I think, I mean, answer me this. Good. 
is, all right, I'm 32 years old, is like for baseball, I'd be too old to pick up a baseball and learn how to pitch as a 32-year-old. It, it just wouldn't happen. Is sure. that the case for guitar? Like, am I past my prime already? Or is no, it something? I don't think so. No, I mean, if Ken can do it, you can do it. I mean, there's no, yeah, there's no yeah. doubt in that. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, like, it's easier to learn when you're young because your brain's not fully fucking developed, so you're learning exactly. as you go. And you said you started when you were eight, I think it was? Yeah, I was eight, so I'm way ahead of the game. But I think you're going to be fine, Dave. I think what I've seen so far – this is, this is exactly how I know it's going to go because this is how it goes for every, like, task that I, I like, put my – and honestly, to – get me on stage, you have to tell me I can't do it. And that's when I'll be like, you know what? I can do it. So I ran the marathon in Chicago in 2017. Oh, shit. And I, and it, the whole genesis of me running the marathon is I was drunkenly at the bar on marathon night in 2016 with two friends who just ran it in 2016. They're like, there's no fucking way you can do that. And I'm like, I'll sign up for it tomorrow and I will run it in 2017. So just as like a spike thing is why I ran it. Not because I enjoy running because I don't, I hate it. It was miserable. It's 26 miles of hell, but it was more to just prove a point. So, um, so basically I, what we're learning here is that if you get that I like can do it, I don't need you to do that. I want you to tell me I can't do it. Dave, you can't do it. Yeah. Thank you. If you, apparently, if you get drunk and spiteful enough, you could fucking split the atom. That's, yeah. what, I'm get, that's what I'm getting <laughs> from here. Spite like, is like my favorite thing on earth. <laughs> but I'm fucking for apologies. So if you if you like if if you do something to piss me off and I want to spite you in any way, I'll just be like, and then you apologize like, yeah, man, I was being a dick. I'll be like, ah, it's all good. And then I'll so, just like put you on the table. You got the upper hand. Exactly. Exactly. You won at that point. You won at that it, point. It really is nice to do stuff out of spite. Like, oh, 100%. Wrong. Dave, you're already built for the music industry because everything we do is out of spite. Everything is, uh, fuck those people. We can do that shit better. You've already got your leg up in that. Like, technical shit will work on, but you already have the attitude, so you're halfway there. And you're already uh, drinking and playing. I mean, yeah, you're already drinking and you're already getting drunk and playing the guitar. Like, you're, you're fucking slighted. You're, you're going to be fine. <laughs> Perfect. That's, that's honestly... I mean, it's not all I needed to hear, like I said, but it is all I needed to hear. So, yeah, and, and just a remind, just a reminder, you can't do it. There's no way you can do it. So don't even fucking try. I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he's gonna text me at four o'clock in the morning tonight, being like, "Yo, motherfucker, I just learned the entire Beatles songbook. Suck my dick." Yeah, like exactly. I know how this is gonna go. But I so new guitar. <laughs> so uh, you know, background on everything. So those of you who are Dave's fans coming to listen to us, we are Fox trying to get down. We are six idiots from Philadelphia who over the last like six or seven years have toured the country, basically come up from fucking nothing. And once the pandemic hit, all of our touring shut down, we started the podcast and it just fucking snowballed. And I don't know how the fuck we're here talking to Dave being a part of the podcast. And of course, as Dave said, Chris Shiflett from the Foo Fighters is our first guest. The sky's the limit, ladies and gentlemen. It's fun, too, because Dave is coming in as a novice to the music side, and we come in the expert side. We're coming into podcasting as fucking it, bumbling idiot babies, and Dave works for Barstool. So we're kind of teaching each other something on both sides. Yeah, it's going to be a great symbiotic relationship because of everything you just said. I think that, like, like all, all my love for music, it, it obviously doesn't come from playing music. It, it comes from, I love learning that. So I took a class in high school, if you want to know the start of it. It was a senior class in the senior. We had um, history of baseball, history Ooh. of, um, I think it was the NFL, I want to say. I could be wrong there. And then the history of rock and roll. And everybody would have just assumed I would have taken the history of baseball. But I'm like, I, don't, I already know everything about baseball. Exactly. I know 
I'm like, give me rock and roll. Cause that's all I listen. I grew up listening to like everything my parents listened to. And I like love just like, I'd be like, Oh, I like that song. I'd go home. I'd Google it. I download it on some shady, you know, Kazar or, or whatever. And then I'd, I'd find the history of whoever was singing. I'd be like, Oh, he born in England in 1952. And so like, that's kind of my love for music is just the history of it. And like, of certain bands musicians blah 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 so that's like my music game but as far as the podcasting game like i plan on taking this thing to the next level through everything i've learned over the few years with barstool sports and and with d- doing two podcasts hosting a serious show and all that so um i think it's gonna work out great Dude, uh, once again, I'm learning more and more. Me and Ken are both diehard sports guys. Of course, we're in Philly. Dave's in Chicago, so we're fucking diehard Philly sports guys. This really is just the counter, like the complete opposites on the other side. So we're music guys. You're sports guys, and we want to learn more about sports. You want to learn more about music. We're coming together. This is going to be a fucking beautiful relationship, and I couldn't be happier to be here. I will say, we've already brought this up, but the first guest, we fucking got Chris Shifflett. He wound up being an amazing guy. We're going to go into the interview shortly. Dave, how fucking cool was Chris Shiflett? Just give him a preview. I've done – so, like, we just interviewed Chris Bryant, technically Cubs third baseman, but he's going to be a free agent next year, and he's probably going to get traded. Uh, we interviewed him last week, and the interview, he had a couple quotes that made it to ESPN and everything. They're all sorting Redline Radio, my Chicago sports podcast. And, like, I didn't get nervous interviewing Chris Bryant. I don't get nervous interviewing, like, Hawk Harrelson or, or Rick Hahn, the White Sox GM, or any baseball player. I was nervous going into Chris Shiflett. One, because, like, I didn't want to make an ass myself and say something stupid about, like, a band that he might hate or something like that or <laughs> you know, make an ass myself because I don't play an instrument technically. Um, but he was one of, out of every guest I've enter, ever interviewed for any podcast or radio show I've ever done. He's right near the top of it. He was awesome. Dude, what a good guy. A podcaster himself. We will reference this later on down the, the episode, but go check out his podcast, Walking the Floor. He has some unbelievable guests on there. And for our music people – I mean, anybody you could possibly think of, he's already had on. He's 200 episodes and in. Setzer on who I grew up listening to. And when he said that, I was like, holy shit. So I went and uh, I, I checked out the social media clips on it. And I have it saved on Spotify right now to listen to um, in the next day or two. I can't wait to listen to it. I mean, he just had Chris Stapleton on. He had uh, oh, Brian Fallon from the Gaslight Anthem, who I'm a huge fan of. So I saw Chris Stapleton in concert. There's this uh, concert that it started, I want to say, in 2012 or 13 called the Windy City Smokeout, and I'm admittedly um, kind of a one-dimensional music fan. Right. I don't really listen to a ton of country music, and this is a country concert, but they bring in a bunch of um, different barbecue, like like local mom-and-pop barbecue places from all over the country. So you go there for the – I was going there for the food. But uh, <laughs> Chris Stapleton, it's like eight or ten stages all around the main stage, and Chris Stapleton, this is before he was like world famous – was playing in front of like 50 people and I lost my group and I was just like staring through his soul in front of like two dozen people while everybody else was listening. I'm like, dude, this is the guy to listen to. You know, he's hosting the fucking Grammys with uh, um, Justin Timberlake and everything. So let let me, let me point something out to you too, before we get into segments, this is the last thing you asked about being 32 and being too old to like do it or break out, whatever it is. Chris Stapleton was 37. When, yep. that, when that performance with Justin Timberlake happened. He wrote in Nashville for 15 years, just cutting his teeth till he got his fucking chance. I, so I heard the backstory on him was that, like, when he would write music and kind of produce music for, for different, you know, current, currently famous uh, country artists and otherwise. 
And the, all those artists would be like, yo, man, you can really sing. You can play the guitar. You're great on your own. Why do you do this? He's like, ah, I don't really think I'm that great. And finally, he, like, gave it a shot on his own. And Well, I mean, me and, Ken do know, me and Ken do know this from the music industry game. Chris Stapleton is not somebody you're going to pay money to look at. Chris Stapleton is not a heartthrob country guy or anything like that. You know what I mean? So I'm sure that didn't help his fucking case. And then he sings, and you're like, all right, this guy's got it. So He's like one of one, though. He's like that guy that straddles the rock and country, yep. brings it together, and he's just like outlaw country. Does his own thing. Yep. It's fucking awesome. Boom. All right. So that's our intro just to get you guys fucking caught up on who we are, who Dave is, why we're doing this, how we got here. And uh, welcome to On The Guest List. Oh, one more thing real quick. How we got the name. We were talking about like uh, sarcastic shit. Dave, we're going to teach you something real quick. Sarcastic things that people would text us on nights of shows. And your friends always have excuses why they can't come out. And the one we always said was, oh, dude, I got work tomorrow, but have a great show. And the other one was, uh, dude, I don't have any money. Can you put me on the guest list? And if you're a musician, everybody, you've probably done this, you motherfucker. And you have friends who are in bands, and you're like, yo, me and my girl are coming out. Dude, throw me on the guest list. And like, you always just want to say, like, yo, it's fucking $5. Pay the fucking cover. But you do it anyway. So right away, Erica, our other singer, was like, dude, on the guest list is a great fucking name. We were like, all right, boom, there it is. So that's how we got the name. It's perfect. I, I, and I'm admittedly one of those guys that likes to backdoor my way onto guest lists. Knew it, you piece of shit. <laughs> like, it's, this is what I do for. If I'm bringing a girl out, yep. you just walk right up, hey, we're on the list. Oh, and it's such a stunt move. It's a, it's a power move, you know? It is a power move. All right, I'll give you that. that that's fair enough. It's all the thing. When he's walking through the basement around the kitchen and everything. Oh, it's exactly what it is. You're in the Copacabana and you get your fucking table right in front, dude. <laughs> right. It's all right, so... One, one small change we're making here. We're not doing the wildest shit that we've seen on the internet anymore. It's basically the same gist. The new segment is on the guest list and off the guest list. So this is going to cover some pop culture shit. What we're doing here is each of us are going to pick one person that we would put on the guest list this week and one person who we would obviously leave off the guest list this week. So what we're going to do is I'm going to go, then White Sox Dave, and then we got Ken, and then we'll do it in reverse order for who wouldn't be on the list. But my first person who would be on the list Dude, the new fucking Radicals. If you don't know who the new Radicals are, they were a one-hit wonder band from the 90s who had that song, You Only Get What You Give. And randomly enough, the first time they got asked to perform in 22 fucking years was the inauguration for Joe Biden. They played yesterday and absolutely fucking smashed it. Smashed it. Did you watch it? I did not see it. Obviously, like we were talking about this uh, yesterday, the day before, and you told me, I'm like, the new Radicals, they sing that one song, right? <laughs> exactly what they did. Like... So what, did they just sing that one song? They like, only sang that one song. Okay, you only, I, I, I don't know the lyrics, but I like know the beat everything. Well, well so here's the story. So they, they did like a thing before they performed and they were like, hey, we're the new Radicals. And the, the lead singer was like, we got dropped by our label before our second single even came out. Like, so they put out that smash hit and they got dropped that fucking quick. So what wound up happening was I did backstory because I was going to do a whole joking rant on like, why the fuck did the new radicals get asked? Apparently when Joe Biden's son had cancer, it was like their family's rallying theme song. And it was like what got them through that segment in time. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But I was going to be like, how the fuck did the new radicals get the fucking question? So uh, my first pick for who's on the list is the new radicals. Shout out to them. So uh, White Sox, Dave, your first pick. All right, so I was uh, skimming through the internets, which is called my day-to-day job responsibilities, and um, I, I found this one. So um, obviously coronavirus, COVID, still a thing. Who knows how long this will go on for? Hopefully not very long, but in the country of Bali, I think that's one of those countries in like Southeast Asia where all the Instagram models flock to to like take 
pictures of themselves. That's exactly what it is. I, that's what I assumed. Um, <laughs> so if you're a foreigner in Bali right now and you get caught like with your mask like below your nose or not wearing a mask or not practicing social distancing and a cop sees it, they'll, they'll sentence you on the spot, make you drop down and do push-ups. <laughs> I absolutely fucking love that move. How, how like, many push-ups like, we talking? Like, hey, you asshole American, drop down, give me 20, put your mask on. What is this fucking – so Bali's basically a frat? <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they're like frat masters, hazing, hazing. Oh, my God. So I guess who's on the list is cops in Bali? Like, yeah, I guess that's – I was reading the article, and I was like, this is too good to be true. Like, I, like I, I, that's not even cool and unusual. Like, I would just love to see, like, an Instagram model on the beach with, like <laughs> – yeah. And you just like you see a cop like running up to him like, "Hey, you! Like, <laughs> give me thirty, you fucking." Could uh, you imagine if you were in Bali and you got tased by a cop because you wouldn't drop and do push-ups because you wouldn't wear a mask? I, I mean, I'm imagining that right now, and I'm laughing in my brain. Dude, Robbie Fox better be careful. He's in oh, he's in Abu Dhabi. I was gonna say you better be fucking careful. Over there. Much worse, much worse things happen there. Oh, much worse <laughs> things happen in Abu Dhabi. I just hope he didn't bring any fucking three chi or any weed over there because he'll be getting sentenced to 55 years in prison all right ken go with your first pick so my first pick my on the list and on the off the list oh he's doing a back-to-back we'll go snake draft they go together off the list is going to be gene simmons i don't see if you saw this he does it like every couple years he'll say rock is dead always he'll like wake up new year rock is dead always does it i've heard so many people say that gene simmons from kiss is an absolute asshole just a dickhead well, we also – I feel bad saying this because Chris Sheffield loves Kiss so much. I know. I'm just about to say that. <laughs> Maybe I'll cut out that part, but either way. So, all right. So, Gene Simmons is off the list. Who's on the list? On the list is Paul Stanley from Kiss because he came out and said, no, Rock's not dead. Yeah, so there's he – there's a little Rock internal Rock. strife in Kiss. They're, first, I'm pretty sure they hate each other to begin with. Well, yeah, Paul Stanley is all the talent. So, Which one's the one who – Oh, their drummer was the one who like believed in aliens and shit. Like, ever, <laughs> that's a whole other fucking story. But all right, yeah. So, Kiss is both on and off the list. Dave, who's off the list for you? Off the list is for me is um. So we're we're doing a little mini snake draft right here. Uh, we do one for our podcast called the Dog Walk every Monday. And yeah. It um first we just started doing it in March when we couldn't have guests in studio or anything because we needed something to do. So we did a couple of them just basically because we had to and we had nothing else to do so we're like filler do it and we just draft random things and we drafted uh road trip snacks this week Ooh. and i drafted yoohoo for my drink and oh. there was a mass amount of people who were shit talking to drink yoohoo you leave it, it it's, it's disgusting i admit oh. it like if you look at the label and see what's in it it's horrifying but it's delicious and if i'm going logging a thousand miles with my with my boys and it's like 6 a.m. I'm filling up the gas tank and about to start, you know, my shift driving. I'm getting a goddamn Yoohoo and I'm going to enjoy it. Fuck yeah. So everybody who doesn't fuck with Yoohoo is off the list. By the way, I'm a huge Yoohoo guy. Don't ever read the label because you'll never want to drink it again. I Ken, that take this morning. Ken was- knows my thing that you don't read the label. Ken, what's the thing you don't read the label? Slim Jims. Slim Jims. Don't ever read the label on a fucking Slim Jim. I can't imagine it's good. I the, can't first imagine. Car- the first ingredient. Is mechanically separated chicken. I don't know what the fuck that means, but I um, love Slim Jims. We read it, and then the next gas station, we still got like we five still got like five Slim Jims. Tastes good and looks edible. I'm I'm fine with it. You know, it's all good to me. 
Dave's Dave already went, learning the rock and roll uh, tricks of the trade. When you're on the when you're on the road, you basically eat out of gas stations like constantly. It's taquitos, yeah. Slim Jims, Slurpees, and I fucking I love you. Who you who's a good pick, dude? And I'll clarify: it's got to be on the glass bottle. It can't be the like the juice cartons, boxes. It can't yeah, be. They're not good. It's got to be on the glass bottle. You who out of a glass bottle and all the chocolate stuck at the bottom. You got to shake it. Yeah, you got to uh, shake it for like ten minutes. It's like a little bit of a little bit of work, a little bit of love you got to put into it. But that's fine. You just gotta you know do your thing with it. Let it settle a little, and just it's it's so gulpable too. It's very refreshing for like a chocolate milk drink. Oh, 100 percent. The thing yeah, is, Dave, I love how you said drink. It's not just cho- it's, it's it's chocolate, chocolate drink. Drink, drink, yeah, chocolate milk. yeah. I like how D- Dave's like doing this. Like he like fucking chills a martini glass and pours his fucking yuhu in it. <laughs> like, Honestly, yo, I haven't been to a gas drink. station today, but the next time I step foot in a gas station, I'm gonna get a yuhu. And I will, in spite of the thousands of calories and all the artificial shit that's in it. Uh, All right. So my off the list, here's our last pick. Uh, Jamie Lynn Spears is off the list. And I know this has been a hot hot talk online. And we talked about this the other day. She goes on TikTok and basically starts shitting on Tesla. So first off, stumped that she has a Tesla. But she goes, you know, Tesla needs to fix their cars. They're too quiet. She goes, I don't want to tell you how many cats I've run over. She's so, she like, first off, if you won't say the number of cats that you've killed, it has to be astronomical. You got to be double digits at that point. It's got to be right. It's got to be like, how, it, <laughs> like I would have freaked out after I killed and I don't even like cats. Really. I don't like cats either. I mean, I don't, I don't dislike cats cause I don't dislike any animal, but like, I don't like, if I killed a cat, I'd be horrified. I mean, more think it's like she's backing up out of her driveway. She's like, please no, please no, please no, please no. <laughs> the Tesla is so quiet that she can hear the screams of the cats and they're just haunting her in her sleep. Hey, did you guys watch South Park at all? So, yeah. yeah. There's, have you seen the episode where Butters, they try to sell Butters to uh, uh, Paris Hilton? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> committing suicide because yeah. What if the cats were committing suicide because of Jamie... Lynn Spears' dog or whatever her name my, is. My question is, how the fuck, like, what would that call to Tesla be like? Like, I have a complaint to the customer service. Your car is too quiet that I keep murdering cats. Uh, Mrs. Spears, that's the point cats? of a fucking Tesla, you idiot. Yeah, what the fuck? What the uh, customer service person would say. The only person with the worst thing about Tesla is Blake Bortles buying the Tesla just so we'd stop dipping. <laughs> but yeah, just kept, but yeah. what, what did he say about that? He's like, oh, I, I bought a Tesla so I'd stop dipping. But then I just dipped even more because I would just like buy logs by the bulk or something. Yeah, and he's like, also, I don't have to drive with my hands anymore. My hands are free, so he's fucking just dipping the whole time. So, all right, that's who's on the list and who's off the list. Uh, Before we get into the conversation with Chris Shiflett, let's go into what the fuck we've been listening to. This is where we each pick two songs that we've been listening to, explain why we like them. Uh, I'll start it off. I got a weird one for the first one, guys. I picked Lonely by Justin Bieber and Benny Blanco. Have you heard that yet? I have not. It's a fucking slapper. Holy shit. It's just electric piano and Justin Bieber's voice. And I he, never thought I would. Not bad, uh, like, technically music-wise, right? Dude, right. I've, listened, I've listened to this song 8 million fucking times. I'm not here to say I'm a Justin Bieber or big fanboy or anything like that, but goddamn, what a fucking song. Unbelievable. So my first pick, Lonely by Justin Bieber and Benny Blanco. Dave, what's your first pick? So I've been shoving him down your guys' throats on formerly known as To Kill the Internet Podcast, but um, Eric Lindell, Pat West is the name of the song. Uh, Eric Lindell is the artist. Uh, if you listen to the lyrics, it's about uh, it's a childhood friend of his that he met when he was nine years old, went and, and he grew up in like the backwoods bayou of Louisiana, Eric Lindell did. And uh, he grew up 
lost touch with his friend, found out his friend had passed away, and it's just like a really, really cool. It's a slow, sad song, but it's a really cool homage to, like, how he grew up with this Pat West guy. And the song just, like, it's got that, like, really, like, bluesy vibe to it. It's, it's a great fucking song. Bro, if people listen to this podcast and they don't go check out Eric Lindell, they're fucking up because this guy gets a lot of love. He's got a few hundred thousand views per song on, on Spotify, but you can't even find him on YouTube hardly, like no live shows or anything. And like, I, I saw a DM Chris Shiflett after he interviewed him. I'm like, hey, make sure you check this guy out. I wasn't kidding about him. I, he hasn't responded, he, nor will he. Not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like, I really, really, really want this guy to like blow up. Like, and I want to, and let's, uh, you want to be responsible for I it. I want to be responsible. I want to be, <laughs> hey, man, like, I'm the guy, you know? Boom. It's a dickhead move, but it's <laughs> who I am. All right, Ken, what's your first pick? I'm going to go a little bit of a throwback. Um, Fountains of Wayne. Ooh. Um, Mexican Wine. It's the title, or the intro track off Welcome Interstate Managers. I never got into them. I just discovered them kind of also, like, not Stacy's mom. Right. Or their discography. And they're really fucking good. I kind of missed a boat on them. Do you know what their second biggest song is? Uh, You ever seen the movie, uh, That Thing You Do with Tom Hanks? Uh, I I have, but it's been a long time. Fountains of Wayne were the band in that movie. They recorded all the music for that. So Fountains of Wayne has fucking slappers for days. so fucking good. And everybody I know from Nashville says that, uh, what's it, Welcome Interstate Managers is one of the best albums of that period of time. They say it's fucking incredible. I need to check it out. It screams like 2004 rock. Oh, okay. So Stacy's mom part two. Right then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my second pick, I went with something a little different. This is also a throwback, but uh, I've been on a big Jimmy Eat World kick. Jimmy Eat World is a fucking underrated band. I picked the song Bleed American. We went in the studio last week and did some absolute ignorant rock and roll shit in the studio. And uh, Bleed American was like a really big inspiration for what we went in and did. So I just want to give Jimmy Eat World their fucking flowers while they're still here. So shout out to Jimmy Eat World. Bleed American is my second pick. White Sox, Dave, your next pick. So I've stumbled upon this. Uh, they're not really a band. They're not, well, they're a band. But uh, J.J. Gray and okay. Amoto, um, and the song's Lock Lusa. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of rely on you guys to expand my musical horizons because – like I said, I don't listen to a ton of country music. Not a ton of t- – like Justin Bieber, I would have never even known that song existed <laughs> if it weren't for you. But um, same style. It's like he's from Mississippi. Ooh. So same Southern, you know, style blues music. Um, but, dude, this guy can fucking shred the guitar. He is awesome. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him or not. but Bro, you're, I, you're expanding my horizons here. I don't yeah, know. Okay? I don't like, know. I'm, I'm learning. So, uh, Graham, you've, you've heard a few of your songs without even knowing it. Which I was going to say, this sounds, the name of the group sounds like it'd be like a Chevy, like Silverado commercial. Definitely everything they do, Chevy Silverado commercial. Commercially popular song was Orange Blossoms. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, you definitely, but the the song that I like, Lock Loose is a City, and I want to say, I want to say it's also in Louisiana, but he's from Mississippi, the band's from Mississippi. I was hesitant to pick the Mississippi uh, All-Star, or the Northern Mississippi. Mississippi All-Star, fuck yeah. uh, with uh, Susan Tedeschi, who I absolutely adore and I love her. This guy uh, knows his shit, dude. I love it. Uh, obviously, Derek Trucks. I don't think Derek Trucks is part of that band. Um, but I Well, they're Derek, married, so there's some, there's some relationship there. He probably does something with them, yeah. 
Well, here's the beautiful thing with, with all these picks. We're going to put them all on a Spotify playlist, and we'll share it every week. So people can, whatever they hear on the podcast, go check it out through the Spotify playlist. Yeah, and hammer us with your quest, too, because we're always looking for new shit. So hammer mm, us definitely. with your quest. It could be anything and everything. I don't care if it's Bach or Beethoven, you know? Like, check out this jam that you did. <laughs> Yo, my, my pick of the week is Beethoven Symphony Number no. 6. This shit fucking slaps. Shit, nah. had the same <laughs> I would listen to classical music before baseball and football games when I was growing up. Like, once I got to high school and college and I played baseball in college and just I loved it man like, it, like it, it, that's a, a good spot that's a fucking lunatic move could you imagine like the linebacker on like the on Alabama sitting there listening to Bach and Beethoven before he goes out there you just slaughtering I people yeah I wouldn't want to fuck with that guy <laughs> but I was like a fucking like you said a psychopath I'm like no dude this gets you like I I, I never wanted to be too amped up because then I would do and especially in football I would just start doing dirty plays like I'd clip people <laughs> and try to murder them so I couldn't listen to like uh like the offspring was like whatever a big one that was pump up music for people or Lil Wayne or whatever. But I would just listen to stuff that would like mellow me out so I could get laser focused. Everybody else listened to trapped and stained. And we got fucking yeah. over here listening to box. If it doesn't murder somebody. All right, Ken, go with your last pick. My last pick. I'm going to go. There's this album that's coming out. Dave, I don't know if you saw this. Cause I know you're a big sublime guy. Love that. The house, the house favorite. that Bradley built. Oh, I did see that. They have a compilation album. It's also Blind Songs covered by other big reggae rock artists. There's a Bad Fish cover by OAR that oh, they actually just dude. do it. I can't believe that I haven't known this until just now. Thank you. Yeah, check Bro. it out. Pepper's on there. Trevor Hall. I know for a fact that like Feidelberg and KFC are big OAR guys. Like, I know they have like a fucking relationship with them. If we got OAR on here, I'd pass the fuck out. Okay. I think, I think, I don't know how to print it. Roberge, I believe yes. it's Mark Roberge. I think uh-huh. that he's obtainable. And when we get to the next segment, I'll tell you guys who I'm going to hit up as soon as this podcast is over. It's a surprise for now. Mm-hmm. Boom. All right. Well, real quick, let's go into our interview with Chris Shiflett from the Foo Fighters. Guys, you have to stick around all the way through this great guy, unbelievable conversation. Let's head over there now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list today, we have the host of the Walking the Floor podcast and the guitarist for the Mighty Foo Fighters. We have Chris Shiflett on the podcast today. Chris, you guys have stayed incredibly busy, incredibly productive during quarantine. You guys prepped a new album. You guys played Saturday Night Live. And I just saw you guys are doing the inauguration tomorrow. What's that like? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's been a wild year, you know, as you know, for everybody. It's like we had a, a lot of plans and all those plans went away. You know, luckily we had actually finished the new record before for all that we finished the new record like just about a year ago you you guys have been sitting on it this whole time right which is i mean that's also really strange you know that's like when do you ever sit on an album for a year that just kind of doesn't happen so so you know luckily we had that done and then and then we had you know that stretch there where it's like things were just falling by the wayside and getting canceled where you're sort of going oh wow this is like this for real this is real yeah and so that went on for a while and then um probably like somewhere around the end of summer you know Dave was just like, we got to put this album out. We can't like, we can't sit on this forever. So um, we started, you know, getting the plans together to, to get it out. And then since then, we've, we've actually been pretty, you know, like not crazy busy. It's not the same as touring, but like, of course. You know, we're, we're all here in LA and we, we have a studio and we go in there. We've been, you know, rehearsing and doing some live streams, a couple here and there. And like, you know, recording, you got to like record all your content to send out to TV of shows. Course. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nuts. So, 
so I'll kind of preface this by saying that Colin is in a rock band. I'm kind of trying to be this fake guitarist for Barstool Sports, which <laughs> I know that you're familiar with and everything. So you guys had your album ready to release a year ago, like you said. Yeah. What is it day-to-day like that you guys – like, you guys are the Foo Fighters. What are you guys doing day-to-day to, like – I mean, you're not touring, obviously, because you can't. Well, now the day-to-day has been getting getting ready to put it out. So it's, like, it's, it's very different than what you would normally do, be doing because normally when we're getting ready to put an album out – we start to hit the road and in and and what you, you go out on like what's called like a promo tour. Oh yeah. You know, where you it's mostly just sitting in like hotels and talking to journalists and sitting and, in record sitting in radio stations and doing right, fucking so, talking yeah. and right. And 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 then you do the like, you know, some little underplay shows in whatever town you're in and do that whole thing. And you do that for a little while before like the real touring starts. So that's sort of the normal thing. And I tell you that that is like the strangest there's a couple strange things about the way that we're doing it. Because we're doing, um, you know, you're doing a lot of phoners from home. You're doing a lot of Zoom interviews, things like that. Normally, you're sitting there with all your bandmates, you know, like talking about stuff. And so it's 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 a little strange to sort of not, because you know, it's like when you put down now, I'm like, there's sort of like a narrative develops and stuff. And so always I'm, I'm like, I'm like, what's the narrative for this? One? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I better read somebody, some of the other guys' interviews to see what I'm supposed to be talking about. You know? What Are I mean? you guys still getting together at all? Or are you guys pretty much quarantining? Yeah. No, we just we just were just working like, you know, we just worked for like a couple weeks solid of like, um, rec- you know, recording stuff to send to TV shows all over the world. So, um, and it's like like I'm probably we're all probably like the most tested human beings. Like I'm, we were getting like two two COVID tests a day where they oh, stick wow. that thing way up your nose, man, yeah. touching your brain. Oh yeah, <laughs> like tickling the back of your skull. Dude, yeah. I haven't been tested yet. I don't, I don't know if Philadelphia is fucking up as far as their COVID testing goes, but I haven't been tested yet. I have no idea what's going on. But I well, will you're say not, you're not missing much. It's not the most enjoyable thing in the world, but it is nice to, to you know, to to know that you don't have it. Yeah, I, I, I will say because our band personally, we have two people in our band who are are high risk, and we've been kind of keeping apart. And yeah. I, I will ask this because I didn't even think about this before, but have you guys kept writing during this period of time? Like you already prepping another album? Because I know most people are. They're they're fucking writing their asses off. I I wouldn't be surprised if Dave's got a stash of new riffs and stuff that he's stockpiling. I you know for me, I you know I make these solo albums and stuff, um, and so I, you know I've been writing a bunch. I got like a bunch of new songs, but I have no plans <laughs> to go. It's a weird thing to like. I have it's. I find that like I'm kind of work best when there's like a deadline. Oh so yeah. I, I feel like I have like you know 25 new three quarter finished songs dude we have a dropbox folder right yeah. so it just says yeah. new foxtrot demos yeah and there's a whole folder called unfinished ideas yeah and i That's swear to god <laughs> bro there's like 70 songs we were in the studio right. this weekend finishing a new album but i mean we probably okay. have i will ask you this because as a songwriter this is the fun thing about this podcast because dave's gonna ask you fan questions i'm gonna ask you technical shit right do you have a hard time because you've probably in your adult life never been in one place for this long have yeah. you had a hard time getting inspired being in one place for so long? Because I have. Um, I don't know if I've had a hard time being inspired. I, I felt re- like in the first few months, you know, when my kids were first, you know, school stopped and we transitioned to online school and my kids are home all day long. That was a big change. And then I was home, not going on the road. Um, I was, I found myself like being really disciplined, coming to my studio every day just to get out of the house. And I would write a little bit and I'd podcast and I'd do stuff. 
And that really felt good. And that was like at that point in like the lockdown where you're like, okay, I'm going to make a list and I'm going to. Oh yeah. Time. Oh yeah. We all did it. We <laughs> all did it. I'm going to finally learn how to play those Tony Rice. That I've been, you know, all that stuff that, you know, and I was being really good. And then summer got here and I just was like, fuck that. Dude, Crack a beer. I mean, you're in fucking LA. What do you expect? Yeah. It's beautiful. I'm in Philly. We got nothing. There's no weather. I'm not. You're in Chicago, Dave. You're fucking frozen. We have no weather. We have nothing. Or two. But I, I will say, it's it is it's interesting though for songwriting. Like, there's so much to write about. You know, yeah. it's the state of the world and the you know and like everything. You know, yeah. that that to me sometimes feels overwhelming. hundred um, oh, percent. How do you write a song that captures this fucking moment? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what that, I don't know. Like, I, because I, I was thinking about that a lot. Like, I got all these new songs and, and they're, and, and they're not, I mean, it's, I guess it's all sort of soaks in there, but I haven't written that one yet that's like really addresses what we're living through. And I don't know if I will. Do you, do you guys, so, that's funny you say that. So, I had COVID. It was very mild for <laughs> yeah. me, it was easy. Um, obviously it's not the case for everybody. I don't want to downplay or anything, but you I, I'm assuming you've seen COVID anthem. <laughs> well, that's what I'm going to ask. So I was going to shoot out all the stupid bullshit cliche questions that someone who doesn't play an instrument like I do. And someone who's just a fan of the Foo Fighters and music in general, I was going to shoot out some dumb fucking almost famous quotes. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure. So you've seen the movie, right? Oh, of course, yeah. Do you have to? All right, so do you I have to be I fat? I that movie, bro. I lived that he movie. He is that, that movie, dude. <laughs> I swear to God, that was like number one question I wanted to ask is like, how actually accurate is that movie? I'm not talking about like them playing the guitar necessarily, even though Pete Frampton was the one who taught them how to play the guitar a little bit oh, in the really? movie. Yeah, he's, he's got a cameo in it when they're playing poker and they get rid of the groupies. Oh, no but, shit. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's the lead singer. He's one of the like guys at the table. I wonder but how he was they came reference. to the decision that Peter Frampton was going to be the guy they used. Like, I wonder, they, they go through other people and they were like, all right, fucking Peter Frampton's going to be the guy. I mean, yeah, he's Jay one of all-time greats. Ace Braley wasn't available. And I was then, just going to ask you about Kiss, because real quick, before we go into your segment, Robbie Fox, who was a friend of ours from Barstool Sports, wanted me to ask you about Kiss, because he, know, he noticed right. you have a Kiss guitar and you're a big Kiss guy. Yeah. What the fuck was it about Kiss that drove you to be a, like a giant Kiss fan? Well, okay, so if you think about you know, I was born in 1971, and when Kiss got really big, I remember the day we were living in Maryland, and I remember my brother Scott went down the street and traded a couple records for um, for some Kiss records. And he, I remember what I totally vividly remember him bringing them home and looking at the album cover. And I was like, you know, I must have been five or six years old, something like that. So you think about a five or six year old and I, all I know at that point is my brother's records you know, it's oh, yeah. Stones and it's the Beatles and it's Bowie and it's, it's that sort of stuff um, and to see that Kiss record and they've got the crazy makeup and there's blood and there's fire it was like fuck yeah <laughs> it's funny I, I don't think people like I don't think unless you were alive at that time like it's, I think it'd be hard to sort of really get how like how wild that seemed yeah. you know because there's been so much that's so much gnarlier since then like you know metal and slayer and crazy shit that Dude, even nine inch them. nails music videos right, like fucking, totally. right. All that stuff. so but at the time as a little kid in the in the 70s man that seemed fucking gnarly man um and plus it was also like they're almost like you know like clowns or something you know like yeah. evil clowns you know what i mean <laughs> they're like you're a little kid you're like yeah it's fucking great. <laughs> um and all the songs are anthems and it's oh, like yeah, yeah it's, i don't know it's just for whatever reason it just 
it just struck a nerve with me. You want to fuck? You want me to fuck you up real quick? So for me, the album I very vividly remember because I was born in 1991, I'm 29, was like that album that I got, and I was like, "This is the shit." Was in your honor. In your honor, fuck. Oh me. really? Yeah, dude. I learned That's how to good. play drums to In Your Honor. Oh wow! And I learned that album front to back, acoustic and electric. So. Really? Yeah, I will say this right here, because this is another thing, too. So in this entire segment of Dave hitting me up to learn to play the guitar, he knows how to play one song right now. Dave, what song is it? Big Me. Big Me. By <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, that's a good starting point. I tell you, you know, like, like when I was first learning how to play guitar, my, my first guitar teacher gave me a, a, a Beatles songbook for beginners. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, that's, and, that, and, I, and I feel like, like that, like helped me a lot in ways that I didn't really understand at the time. But like Big Me is a good example of something like that that has some good chords. In it's there. actually very Beatlesy, to be completely totally. honest. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, that's why it made me think, think of saying that. Do you remember your first song that you learned how to play? Yeah, absolutely. Hey what Jude. Hey oh, Jude, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mine was uh, Turn the Page by Bob Seger. Oh, that's a good one. Dude, fucking great. Dave, one. what was the first song you learned how to play? <laughs> It was, it was, I mean, big me by the Foo Fighters, but I got to the point where I was listening. So my dad and I have this tradition where um, every, it's every holiday we go to the casino and blow all our money because all my family's living all across the country. So on Thanksgiving and Christmas, we have nothing to do yeah. because all everybody's scattered, you know? And yeah. we have a tradition where we go to the casino and we'll put on Night Moves by Bob Seger. Oh. And I was listening to Night Moves somewhat recently i'm like you know what i think i could play that on guitar just because like i kind of picked it up from what colin taught me um i'm like i know those chords like just by listening which was a weird feeling to have the only difference is you got to capo it on the first fret and play a g it was easy that's it it was was simple so um the capo capo makes everything sound great i'll I'll tell you i i interviewed um a band called the wild feathers recently oh i love the wild feathers man yeah they're, they're great really cool guys but they were talking this made me feel really good they they were talking about you know, different people they'd been on tour with and they, they said that they had gone out supporting Bob Seger and they just said he was like the coolest motherfucker would come to their sound check and like, you know, t- t- hang out. You know, he just have you ever heard, have you ever heard the rumor about Bob Seger that he butters his donuts? <laughs> That's a weird one. That's, That's a psychopath a weird, move. That's a psychopath move. A hundred percent. My dad growing up, my dad's a huge Seger fan. And he told me the story about he went to see him at the Spectrum in Philly and uh, he wore a jacket. He was him and my aunt Christine, his sister, and he wore a jacket that says that said "Rock and Roll Never Forgets" on the back. My dad apparently was a fucking Seeger like stand, like a big Seeger guy, and Seeger pulled him up on stage and took the jacket and never gave it back. So my dad's no got a piece of Seeger history with him. So there we go. Uh, you, know, you know what I love about current Bob Seeger is when you see like footage of him playing now, he's totally dressed like your dad or your oh, dad, he's such whatever. a dad, dude. But he still rocks the headband. It's like full, like dad, the whole thing, like the glasses, the whole deal. And then he's still rocking the headband. I love it. Dude, so Seeger's last tour, his last stop was in Philly. Oh, wow. And I'm with my wife, and we're down at a record store in Philadelphia in a neighbor called Maniunk where we live. And uh, I'm like, dude, we have to see Seeger before he leaves. It was that fucking night, and I didn't know it. I missed Seeger's last show. I never got to see him. I Mm. fucking love Bob Seeger. Do you have any... Any, like, examples of that? Like, so, obviously, you're in this world-famous rock band. Do you just go to shows of bands you want to see? 
Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, now I'm at the age where I'm like taking my kids to, to shows. As a matter of fact, the last, it's funny just to tie this all together. The last <laughs> show that I saw the week that, you know, California locked everything down was Kiss at the Staples Center. And it's because my youngest son wanted to go see him. He was like kind of going through a kiss phase right then. So oh, we went to so fucking cool. Dude. And it was like, it was right on that bubble where we're there and it's Staples Center and there's like fucking 20,000 people or whatever. <laughs> kind of having that moment like, am I, is this like the right parenting move? I don't know. <laughs> Should I be here? Are we getting sick right now? I don't know. Did, did you, were, so we were on tour when everything shut down. We were in Washington, D.C. when everything shut down. Oh, wow. Like, from your perspective, when you're in a group chat with the rest of the band, was there a moment where everybody was like, this is going to last two fucking weeks and we'll be back out on the road? Or was it like, like everybody else? Yeah. yeah or was oh, it like doomsday yeah. where you guys were like, this is never going to be better? Oh, no. I remember when the, the when it first started kind of popping up into everybody's consciousness. I, I remember sitting there. At, I don't remember what we were doing, but and I don't remember exactly who was in the room, but kind of having that conversation like, you think this thing's going to be bad? You know, but I mean... Ha- you know, how do you know until it, you know, there's, I don't know. I think, it, it, I, think, I think we all, I think everybody wants to believe that it's not going to be as, as bad as it's going to be. A hundred percent. When it's happening, you got to try to stay optimistic or whatever, but. What's the, go, what's the first thing the foof, like, are you guys going to just throw this rager, like hundred thousand person stadium tour? Like what's, what's the first thing the Foo Fighters are going to do? Like in the post pandemic world. That's a really good question. I, I, mean, I think the honest answer is I don't think anybody knows exactly. exactly. Like I know we have, yeah. I know we have a lot of stuff like tentative plans. You know that if it's if it if we get the thumbs up, you know we're going to be ready to go as soon as as soon as that happens. Um, I suspect, and I'm not an expert, and I don't know Jack Diddley squat, but I mean <laughs> from what I've from what I've heard, I would expect that it'll be like kind of the opposite of what you're saying like you play the outdoor venue and it's like socially distanced and people are not jumping ah. all over each other you yeah. know I, mean? <laughs> I would think it would be more like that for a while until like, you know you got to believe that at some point it's going to get back to like you know, if I, dude if i had a dollar for everybody every time somebody texted me it was like dude so when do you think you guys are going to get back to playing shows my answer is i have no fucking idea the people in live nation don't even know when they're getting back to nobody shows. does nobody knows I, I can tell you that when, as soon as we get the green light, we'll be ready to go. I mean, oh, yeah. we're ready to go now. Let me ask you a question. So this is something I always ask guests. What's your best show memory? And also, what is your absolute worst show memory? And I'll give you an example of worst. I'm, I'm saying worst as in like something just goes haywire. I got electrocuted and tackled by a homeless guy in the same night in New Orleans playing the Howlin' Wolf. Is there anything like so best? Like, if you're thinking about your best Foo Fighters show, like, what is your fucking memory of like, holy shit, I can't believe this is happening? I mean, the one that always sticks out because we've done a lot of like a crazy ones. You know, playing the form is for me is at Southern California, and it's like where I went to go see big shows. So that's right. really special. Um, Madison Square Garden, stuff like that. You know, playing like fucking some of those big festivals in Europe, obviously, are, are really, really special. And Wembley and things like that are. All that stuff is really fantastic. Um, but the one that sticks out, we played, and it's probably not, it's like, as far as a venue, it's kind of like, you know, not one of the legendary ones, but there's a, a, a spot in the outside of London called Milton Keynes, Ooh. where we where we played a, some, some re- a couple really big shows. And I flew my mom and stepdad over. Oh, that's and, awesome. Um, and my, and my, uh, my wife and all my kids were there and everybody's families were there. And a bunch of our friends flew over for it, and I and um and it just turned into this big, 
this big crazy thing and we had this really wild kind of elaborate backstage setup which was like be way above and beyond anything it was almost like a fucking circus back to where they <laughs> and like rides for the kids and all kinds of stuff but the memory that really sticks out and i've had a lot of these kind of memories over the years because I, I always take my, my my wife and kids like during the summertime you know come out and, and tour around but but that show in particular i just remember looking over and right on my side of the stage it was just all my kids it was everybody's kids but like, oh that's cool up, my wife my stepdad all my kids so that was a that was a really special one all right, so that's obviously a beautiful fucking story. Give me your worst. Give me something where some, everything just went to shit. You got electrocuted. You fell off the stage. Something happened. I mean, you know, nothing all, to be honest, really nothing all that bad has happened to me. I mean, there was the night. <laughs> well, there there's the Dave. Night that, I mean, Dave flew off the front of the station. Broke his leg. <laughs> that was pretty bad. He kept uh, playing that show, right? He kept playing that show. Was so that, that at Wrigley Field? No, no, that was in Sweden. That was in like uh, okay. <laughs> Not Ooh, really. But, but, I could have no, swore I, that was at Wrigley Field. I remember hearing it too. I remember when I first joined the band. Right, this very you know this was 1999. I joined in '99, and I went went out on the road, and I really didn't know the guys. You know, I was just sort of getting to know them. Oh yeah. By being in the band, and so I didn't. And we, you know, back then it was so much smaller, and like you know, we had a, a sm smaller crew and everything, and. And I'll never forget the the guy that got hired for that tour to be the guitar tech. Um, it was we basically came on at the same time. Oh, really? And that was in the days where we had one guitar tech for everybody. You know, I'm sure you guys have like twelve now. I mean, we got like thousands of people on. Tour. <laughs> um, I got my donut tech. I got my fucking coffee tech. You know, of course. Um, yeah, uh, the guy that unlimited budget. My donut. You know, all that stuff. <laughs> he butters um, your donut. <laughs> no, uh, but so so I remember. I was really just trying to kind of find my feet, you know, in the band and still really like learning the songs and everything and just getting, getting comfortable with it. And the, the guy that was guitar tech, and he was like, a, ultimately like a nice guy. I don't want to like fuck shit, but. Dunk on him. Let's I, go. He kind of like, he kind of, his attitude was a little bit like I'm Dave Grohl's guitar tech. And you're uh... just, you're just some, you're just some new guy that like, you know, you yeah, and Pat Smear are sitting in the corner. Like, so he was kind of like my shit was always a little half ass, you know <laughs> what I mean? And like, but like, I'm not, you know, because in, in every band I've ever been in before that, like I'm setting my own stuff up, you know, so I'm of course, like, man. But, but you know, it's, it's at a bigger level. And so like you go on stage, the guy hands you your guitar, like you got to be fucking ready to go. And I remember playing this show. I don't remember where we were, but I remember playing the show and my guitar went out. It just like stopped. Oh. And the way Flu Fighters works, dude, there's like when you're having a problem, the train keeps flying down the track, dude. Oh, there's, yeah. no, nobody's like, hey, what's going on over there? You know, like it's just the band's just going and I got nothing. You know, I'm like looking at <laughs> and I look, I look at, at our guitar tech and I'm like, my fucking, my God. Uh, shit's not working, dude. I remember he just looked at me and just went like, <laughs> <laughs> wait dave real quick i just want you to know this so when you're on stage and your shit does not work there is no panic when your shit doesn't work because there's nothing you can do if it's electrical your fucking pedal board shorts out or your amp shorts out you're fucked there's nothing you can do there's no fucking you know second well i don't know about you you guys might have a secondary amp sitting there but if your amp blows you're fucked now no, in those days we did and i'll tell you what like like um there's no uh there's no like um you think that everybody in the crowd in that moment is staring at you. When oh, really, always, like, right. Nobody knows that your amp went out. You could just mime and just like, <laughs> nobody's going to know. It doesn't matter. Well, you know, yeah, if you're, if you're a three guitar band. Yeah. But if you're, if you have one guitar player and that guitar goes yeah. out or the vocals yeah. go out, that's a problem. 
there is no there is no less like you could be the best guitar player in the world and your shit goes out and instantaneously you are like I am nothing. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. You are just fucking helpless. There's nothing yeah. you can do. So wait, what'd you do? Like, how'd you fix it? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you just faking it? Out, some, somebody fixed it. I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> something I, I, who knows? <laughs> that was a long time. That was many, many beers ago. I many, know. many beers ago. Well, here's a question too. So on a technical note, right? Because we're not going to cover your backstory. We've all covered the backstory. I've, I've listened to a thousand interviews of you where they talk about how you came into the Foo Fighters. Yeah. How long being you're playing punk bands and then you go to being in the Foo Fighters. How yeah. long was that adjustment period to being like, this is normal now? Like this isn't, oh my God, I'm in the fucking Foo Fighters to like, okay, Glastonbury's next weekend. Let's just do it. I mean, it took, it, it took a while because, you know, I was a, just a Foo Fighter fan too. So mm-hmm. I, mean, I was mm-hmm. about that. Like it took me a while to get over like being on stage with them. And like, I would, cause during the show, I'd just be like watching them. Like, <laughs> you know what i mean it was like that that part was true but also like you know the band that i was playing i was in a band called no use for a name and that was like you know like just the 90s you know like punk rock it was like yeah was you're fast, yeah. you know what I mean? like that shit was fast and all of a sudden i'm playing in like a mid i like i honestly kind of didn't know what to do with myself <laughs> what, the, what am i supposed to do i hadn't been in like a mid-tempo rock band in a i was just gonna this is too mid-tempo yeah. dude can we step on it a little bit here <laughs> it's like i don't i don't even know what to do with myself um so yeah that that all that all took took time, but you know, I was but I feel like I was lucky because I got to be there for a lot of the ride, you know, where mm. where there, you know, I got to be there when when you know for a lot of the firsts. And it sort of happens slowly over time, you know. So you don't like your life doesn't just radically change that much. Well, know? we we do a segment on the show called Song Stories, right? And so when you're when you're looking at the Foo Fighters song credits, it always says songs written by the Foo Fighters. What song do you feel like you had the most impact on? Like, if you were to say that is a Chris Shiflett Foo Fighters song, what song do you feel like is the most you? I mean, the real answer is, is that, you know, Dave writes all the songs. Um, oh, okay. And, I mean, he's, it's his band. He writes the songs. He comes in with, and sometimes they're more fully formed than others, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. you might have a little more, uh, you know, you might suggest something in terms of the arrangement or come up with a different guitar part or some shit like that. Right. Uh, but, uh, but, but I'm not going to pretend that like any of them are like my song that I sat in my room and like wrote on my acoustic guitar. Right. You didn't bring it to them and say like, Oh, I have this song written out. Right. So, so none of it, none of it's like that. And I think, you know, we all like a lot of us like write songs and stuff. We all like make records outside of Foo Fighters. And I think that, that really like kind of helps to, um, you know, if we were all like fighting for for songwriting space on on these records, that's like when bands break up. You know? Oh, right, percent. I, I am the songwriter for my band, and I write for other people as well. I know that if somebody stepped to me and said, "I have a bunch of songs," well, they say the, the fucking the last thing the drummer ever said was, "I have a song to bring to the band." <laughs> that's exactly how it would be. I'd, I'd be a little butter. But I will say, if you had to pick your favorite Foo Fighters song, like the one that got you. Like the one that linked you that you were a part of that was like this is my fucking song. What would you say your favorite song is? Hmm, that's, I know a, that's tough. a tough one. Yeah, I mean, it would probably be all my life. I knew you were gonna say that for some reason. You know? Well, it's funny. I remember when 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 um, when Dave first gave us like the demos for that record because um, he always demos stuff. He doesn't really ever put um, uh, vocals on it you know so it's really these demos that he makes with like a lot of like riffs and parts and stuff and it's just that riff like 
that's a trippy song because I think, at least to my ear, like that riff is the hook. Oh, hundred like, percent. You know, like as a songwriter, there's like different things that are hooks. You know, sometimes it's it can be a guitar lick. Sometimes it, you know, m more often than not, it's a vocal thing with you know right. whatever the line is, the hook line or whatever. But like sometimes it's 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 a groove or something. I mean, that one is just that. Well, yeah, that that song can move a stadium, and there doesn't have to be words in it. As soon as the G comes in, it you know this is that fucking song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, now, on the flip side, do you have a song that you're just fucking sick of playing? That you're like, oh, God, we got to play this again? No comment. Oh, come <laughs> on. You got to. Come on. Come on. All right, uh, give me the initials of the song, and we'll try to figure it out. Um, BM. You know, it's, it's funny because, you know, I think it's, it's, it's important to our band. You know, like, you see a lot of bands will, like, get grumpy about playing their hits or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, and I and I get that to to some extent, but like you know, going out to a gig so fucking expensive nowadays. Oh yeah, big right deal. You know, it's a big night out. You got to buy tickets and you pay for parking. And if you buy a t-shirt and a beer, it's a fucking you just spent fucking six hundred dollars. Okay, you're dinging your credit report if you're going out to a food court. Well, you know what I mean. So you don't want people leaving like motherfuckers didn't play Learn to Fly. What uh, the fuck? Yeah. You know what I mean. So it's like you got you got to play those songs that 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 people love and and um and even if like whatever maybe you've been on tour for a year and you're tired <laughs> of fucking doing it you know, the, the, if the, i have to play best of you one more time i swear to god yeah, i'm yeah. burning the stage down <laughs> <laughs> but i mean but but the but the gig and the crowd always kind of like carry you through that i, I think and they're such great songs so you can't really get that mad i will say like if we're wrapping this up right we have to look at the new album coming out. So it's Medicine at Midnight. I've loved the first three things I've heard from it. But one thing I've, I've seen reported in interviews, and one thing I wanted to ask you is kind of like, you guys are 11 albums in. Like, what else do you feel like you have to say? Like, what's different about Medicine at Midnight than anything else you guys have done? Well, I think, like, sonically, this one's pretty different, you know, sort of production-wise. It's, it's the same producer and the same, you know, team for the most part. As is it Butch Vig? No, it's, it's Greg Kirsten. Oh, okay. So, yeah, Greg produced the last record and then produced this record. And um, I feel like it's kind of like, you know, it dives a little deeper into some of the stuff that maybe we kind of were, were doing on, on the last one. It's definitely more like sort of groove based. You know, there's like even some drum loops and things I like mean, that. Shame Shame is definitely groovy. Yeah, yeah. So there's some stuff that kind of fills that space. And, and, um, and, you know, I just think it's like, I don't think it's like a, like everybody keeps being referred to as like, the dance record or the party record and then that's totally cool but you know that's good you know i'm i'm, I'm kind of glad that we got it done before all the fucking covid stuff of so course that, you know maybe it'll be like it'll just take people's mind off that or be something like a nice breath of fresh oh, it definitely will it definitely oh, yeah. will there's there's no downer you know like me and dave are gonna write a real downer covid <laughs> Yeah. Um, but there's none of that on on this record that's what i was originally going to ask you a few minutes back so there's that line when he's interviewing uh russell hammond in the movie where he's like do you got to be depressed to write a love song do you got to be happy to write a, a or do you got to be depressed to write a sad song do you got to be happy to write a love song do you have to have covid to write a coronavirus <laughs> song it probably helps right I yeah mean, oh we've, we've all had the flu but i'm guessing it's not quite like that you know i don't know uh, yeah that is a funny thing like like i think for songwriting like i don't know how how you are but like i don't i'm not very comfortable i've tried to write like happy love songs and i stuff, can't do it 
I just uh, that's just not I, who the fuck wants to hear that. I don't know. I don't even, that. I don't know how you are, but I don't even sit down with the intention of writing a certain type of song. It's whatever comes out of me comes out of me. Right. Like I right. never sit down and I'm like, you know what today is? This is a love song. I know that yeah. for a fact. No, if yeah. I'm. I, and as a songwriter, this is a question too as well. Are you more of a reactionary songwriter where you might just be driving and voice memo something to yourself and that's how you get your stuff out? Or is it more of a, I'm going to sit down today, spend an hour and try and get something out of me? I mean, I really, honestly, I do both. And mm -hmm. I wish I was a little more disciplined with it. I, I like that sort of like working songwriter thing. I yeah. feel like when you're doing that a lot, um, the good stuff just kind of comes and you write a lot of bullshit too. And there's a lot of stuff yeah. that half finished <laughs> ideas that never go anywhere that you just kind of go, that just kind of sucks. But, yeah. um, I mean, you're definitely, the more you write, I feel like it's just like the, the better overall, but, but the ones that it does feel like the songs of mine that, that I like and that other people might like a little bit are the ones that maybe come the quickest, I guess. I'm a big proponent of if it takes more than 15 minutes for me to get the general gist of what I'm doing, I ball yeah. it up and trash it because I'm trying too hard. I need yeah. to, I need to, I need to be a little bit reactionary. I need to yeah. get a vibe and go with it from there. Yeah, yeah, but, sure. And I mean, to, to end this too, because obviously you have the podcast and, and you have your solo records, which I love being a guy who spends a lot of time in Nashville. I'm attracted to that all country kind of California country soul shit. Yeah, right up. As someone who grew up in punk bands and played in the Foo Fighters, what was your initial introduction to country music? Well, you know, the the big one was actually the singer for No Use for Name. You know, who's the singer in, in the band I was in before Foo Fighters? He yeah. was um, he was really into all the alt country stuff. You know, so this was like when I first I joined that band in '95. Mm. It was right around the time that Wilco and Sunvolt were putting mm -hmm. out. Oh yeah, and like Uncle Tupelo was the band that had disintegrated that became those two bands. Yeah. So like. I got turned on all that stuff through Tony. Um, and, and, you know, there were things that I grew up listening to that I feel like kind of prepped me for that, like Rock yeah. and Bill and, and Old Stones records and things like that, that had some of that influence. I mean, um, Sweet Virginia and you got all of Exile on Main Street has got a right. little bit of that. Totally. All that, all that sort of the, the Graham Parsons Stones era stuff, you know, but like, but that stuff, like some Volt and Wilco were the bands that, that really like I, I went what is that fucking thing and that, that made was, me want to, want to peel it back and explore and go back you know, i have that, a, that a jason isbel i have a yeah. jason isbel poster right behind me so i'm, okay. I'm i love i love that scene i fucking yeah, love yeah. it and i listened to the chris stapleton interview you did oh and right on. to me well first off i the the recently the the brian fallon interview i'm a huge gaslight yeah. anthem fan so uh, he's great dude all right so we'll, we'll, we'll end on this who's your dream podcast guest God, it's, you know, at this point, I mean, I, God, I've been so lucky. Like, I just interviewed Brian Setzer recently, which was... Oh, that's so sick. Brian Setzer's orchestra? Fuck yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I grew up He's listening... He's fucking to great. He was, like, one of my favorite, you know, just a gigantic influence. So that was a big one. I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot of what I do is this sort of country theme. I would love to interview, you know, Loretta Lynn, mm -hmm. Dolly Parton, Willie Nelson. You know, there's so many of the legends of the genre that I still haven't... Um, gotten to um so really any of those folks would, would be fantastic i mean dude that's a fucking great list i mean you, yeah. you, know well, I, you know it's funny i actually i, I remember I, I reached out and tried to interview loretta lynn around the time she was putting an album out a few years ago and um and you know i mean i wound up talking to like a publicist or something that was just kind of like yeah. yeah yeah fuck you get out of here it right. it's it's you know it's so much easier with some of those big ones you know if you just if you happen to have a, a, a um, 
some kind of way to sidestep the biz. Uh, I'll tell you exactly how to do that. How do you do (laughs) it, Dave? I'll tell you exactly how to do that. All right. You guys, you, I'm sure at least someone on your team has access to the Foo Fighters uh, Instagram or Twitter handles. Just use those and DM whoever you want. If you see a DM coming from the Foo Fighters, you're, you're answering it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. I got. I'm gonna sneak into our manager's office late at night and take Dave Gold's phone. Yeah. yeah, there take you Dave go. Just take. Yeah. Hey, I got one last thing for you. So I just thought of this off the top of my head before we wrap up here. This is from. I'll call it. This is the segment. The asshole fake guitarist uh, <laughs> advice to you. So I got this guy that I'm addicted to listening to right now. His his best songs got a few hundred thousand thousand plays on Spotify. Go listen to Eric Lindell. Uh, you that, love Eric Lindell, bro. I fucking love his music. It's got like Southern Louisiana blues type vibe to it. Okay. Go nice. check him out. So that's my that. segment. Advice to the rock star. We'll call All it. Right. All right. That's <laughs> right. Me, you, and Eric Lindell, man. We're putting out that COVID anthem. It's going to There go it is, baby. Yo, look, we'll have a whole. There it is, dude. Dude, Chris Shiflett, go get medicine at midnight from the Foo Fighters. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for being on today, my man. Right on, man. Nice, Appreciate nice you, Chris. Nice with you guys. Be dude, well. great time, man. Good talking to you. You too. All right, so that was our interview with Chris Shiflett from the Foo Fighters. What a fucking unbelievable guy. Go check out Medicine at Midnight next week when it comes out. Pretty incredible. We got to talk to him about that. Uh, so what we used to do on the podcast prior to it switching over names, we used to do a segment called the Coronavirus Survival Guide. What we're doing now, the segment is now called Green Room Picks. So when you're a touring musician, you're in the green room before the show. It's basically where all the artists hang out. A lot of great conversation happens there. A lot of stupid fucking conversation. And so basically what this segment is, we're going to pick a top three every week of different subjects. The green room picks for this week is just going to be something to set the stage for the rest of the podcast. But who are our dream guests? Who do we really, because I mean, we fucking got a Foo Fighter. That's already knocking one off the list. But we each have three people here. I got a couple honorable mentions, but we're going to let Ken start this time, then Dave, then me. So Ken, who's your first dream guest for the podcast? First one. Probably favorite songwriter of all time would be Sting. I think Ooh. that would be a great interview. I feel like it'd be so deep. So deep and so <laughs> eccentric. I don't know. It'd be interesting. What was it like being in the police? <laughs> I mean, that's a fucking great question. Sting's yeah. a good pick. Fucking love him. I, I'd pick Stuart Copeland, but that's all right. Dave, who's your first pick? <laughs> so I, I started this list like when you and I started talking about, like I don't want to say starting the podcast, kind of reinventing your already existing podcast. Obviously, number one was Dave Grohl. I mean, I so I have a like obviously I'm part of my take. They have their Mount Rushmores and everything, and I like Dave Grohl is on my Mount Rushmore sports celebrity musician of all people that I just want to sit in a dive bar and lob questions to. Oh just yeah, shit with Definitely. them, drink a few beers, and just pick his brain because I think he's one of the coolest, like most genuine, down to earth dudes of all time, and he is a god of rock and roll. So. I mean, on there, but we just fucking interviewed Chris Shiflett. (laughs) He was like, right, his right hand man, you know. I was gonna say, so we've gotten close. Let's finish the fucking job. Pretty close to him. We will Um, get girl. So the next, the next band that I think that I could get them like next week, I'm getting Smash Mouth for us. What? Holy shit! We fucker Smash Mouth. They're they're big Barstool fans. I've I've shot to shit with them on, and the thing is with them, like. Like, they'll say something on Twitter, and if you go in their replies, it'll be like, oh, is he an all-star? Or, and they'll, be like, 
with like Shrek gifts and everything, and he just eats it up. He like doesn't just get into it. Yo, you got to make that call tomorrow. I want that. I want Smash Mouth. I'll, I mean, we follow each other. Like, we fuck around on Twitter, like, pretty regularly. So, I'll, it's done. Like, consider it done. I'm sweating. I'm excited. Uh, my first pick, uh, this is obvious if anybody knows me. If Ken moves his shoulder real quick, it's Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen is my number one. If we got Bruce, I kill myself directly after the interview. It's, it's over. I've already accomplished what I wanted to do. Bruce is God to me. Bruce is my number one pick. Easy. Uh, if we're going to snake draft and go back, my second pick, Questlove. I want Questlove from the roots. I'm a big hip-hop guy. I would love to be able to sit down with Questlove and just talk hip, like hip-hop for an hour. I Once again, Philly guy, fucking legend of the game. He's produced for everybody. He's one of the greatest drummers of all time. I want to know what Jimmy Fallon's like. So Questlove, my second pick. Dave? Yeah, so I, I, if you rewind the clock, uh, I'm 32, about 24-ish years. I'm flying from Newark Airport in New Jersey to Chicago. I was visiting my grandparents out there. And my grandma owned a travel agency back prior to the internet when you could just book all your own trips. Like, everybody would funnel through travel agencies. So um, we would always fly first class. That was a nice perk of me growing up because we could. And on the plane, we're sitting in one of those, like, jumbo jets with the uh, three rows, then the middle row, and then the other row. So it wasn't just, like, one aisle down the middle of the plane. There was two aisles. And I'm in the middle seat. I'm, like, eight or nine years old. And my mom's to my right and this guy's to my left. And my mom nudges me. And uh, she's, like, she's, like, whispering in my ear. She's like, Dave, that's Rod Stewart. Oh, I'm like super young. And I remember this like it was yesterday, though. And I, I looked at her. I go, who the fuck is Rod Stewart? I swore. <laughs> Rod Stewart heard it. And he started laughing. So that <laughs> led the conversation. So my mom the entire time is like talking over me. And he's talking over me from the other side. Just having that I had no idea who this guy was. So I, I'm sure he's had a million of those types of encounters. But none were a little shithead kids swore in front of him. So I want to I wanna interview Rod Stewart and be like, hey, man, did, do you remember this interaction like 25 years ago? He's like, I thought about it every day since. <laughs> every day since. Time is a flat circle. Here we go, you know? All right, real quick. Ken, give me your last one. I'll give you my last one, then we'll get the fuck out of here. All right. On a non-serious one, I would love to get Mark McGrath. I'm sure Sugar Ray. Ray. He was on my list, too. He was on my list, nice. too. Boom, there awesome. you go. Just because the album cover for Floored, is the most ridiculous thing ever. Agreed. And I want the story behind that. All right. So you go that I'll go serious. I pick Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac. Cause I want to know what it's been like to be fucking God for years. Like in being famous on TikTok and back in the day. So, I mean, those are, Ken, do you have one more pick? I think I just had Paul McCartney, John Mayer. How the fuck do we not say John Mayer? So I don't want to say he's not attainable or unobtainable. I don't know which one it is. Dude, it's, get he, the fuck out of here. He's, he's accessible i think eventually because i don't know how it works so he is two people removed from me so would he be two degrees of separation or just one i don't know but you wait you have some sort of connection well your guy philly guy parcel guy rome oh oh what the fuck listen if i get john mayer on here that's that's another one where i'm like yo that is that's i mean there's like uh I mean, John Mayer is, like, my favorite fucking artist of all time. I know. Um, like, I, I get lost in his music. And if we somehow landed him, that'd be, that'd be the 3,000-pound Marlin. Dude, ser- no, seriously. I think we go full bore on trying to find a way to get John Mayer's ass on here. I think that's legitimately something we find a way to do. This I'll do it. A- we uh, – so once we grow, 
I don't know, call it six months, a year, 10 years, it doesn't matter, just X time frame. Um, once we have a really solid base and listenership, we're just going to have all of them just tag them in tweets and, and not harass them, not in like an annoying way, just in like a funny way that catches his attention and be like, hey, man, 15 minutes, and it'll be like, fine, all right, 15 minutes. I'll find some sort of thing where I'll say that I'll I'll play a concert butt ass naked if John Mayer shows up. I just I just want to fucking figure out how we get this motherfucker on here. John Mayer John Mayer is one of the funniest, most genuine people. Not to mention the probably greatest living guitar player. So I'm a I'm a John Mayer fanatic. So that I guess that's our that's our great white whale right there. Like I, I honestly this is a really weird way to kind of discover a musician. But the first time I remember seeing him and then following up on someone's music, it was on Chappelle's show. Oh yeah, he did. Uh, when they, with he was on there all the time, but he did that yeah, whole segment. Lot, yeah. How do you make white people dance? Yeah, and he's like, "What is it? You need the drums or the bass music or something?" Oh uh, yeah, because it was white people need electric guitar, black people need That's drums, right. and yeah. then Hispanic people need drums, and then electric piano and gibberish over top. That was <laughs> that was the, that was the segment. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, Dave Chappelle would be a good one too. I'll take Dave Chappelle on here in a fucking second. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's like, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of what he says, but he is one of the smartest people on the planet. Oh, he's easily one of the smartest people alive. Fucking smart. I, I, I respect every single word he says. Might not agree with every single word, but I, I love the guy. Um, I was going to ask you this, since it's episode one, who, like, give me your, like, top five guitarists, of, you know, in history. Oh, in history? Like, it could be any time. Ooh. The 30s. Wow. Um... Who do I put as my top? I mean, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Yeah, is, he's one of my favorite, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big Zeppelin guy. Oh, my God. I'm trying to think who I grew up on. I grew up on ACDC, so Angus Young, obviously. Um, if I'm going blues players, I mean, B.B. King is, is the godfather of everything as far sure. as, like, Chicago – Muddy Waters, the whole, the whole crew over there. Massive in Chicago. That, that, that's, like, I think kind of why I, I like blues music so much is kind of – it's in my blood as a Chicagoan. Like, I'll have you come out to Chicago once everything opens up. And, um, I mean, Chess Records is out of Chicago, so that's that's uh, big as my apartment, and that's it. Just little hodunk bars that just underground blues musicians play at, and you just sit there and listen to them jam out for hours on end. It's all they're always super cheap, no lines or anything. Walk in, I mean, I'm a, I'm a blues guy, it's my, my dad played blues guitar like that's how i learned um buddy guy chicago guy obviously robert cray um i'm a big gary clark jr fan gary clark jr to me is the new crop of blues musicians that's I was that's supposed to see him i didn't i was supposed to see him at a Lollapalooza after show because <sighs> a bunch of sh- like Lollapalooza, obviously a huge music festival a bunch of the artists just find like say they were touring in chicago 15 20 years ago that's where i saw actually chevy uh chevy metal there's a little hold-up bar right by Wrigley Field called the Metro. That oh, yeah, I know the Metro. And uh, I saw Chevy Metal there. Um, or not Chevy Metal. Uh, Chevy Metal, right? The, the, That's the Taylor Hawkins. Yeah, Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. yeah. Um, our guy, uh, uh, Shipley, Chris Shipley, he's played it in a oh, bunch no shit. with Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. I mean, dude, uh, Gary Clark Jr. was my uh, – that's me and my, my wife's wedding song is Gary Clark Jr. I'm a diehard Gary Clark Jr. guy. I've seen him like five times. Um, so I would say he's my favorite current – Stevie Ray Vaughan was my, my idol growing up. Stevie Ray is, you know, fucking – everybody who picked up a guitar in my age, Stevie Ray is the, is the goat in that capacity. Jimi Hendrix, um, I mean, I can go – Keith Richards for different reasons. He's just melodic. 
it, it's a matter to me of I never I don't have like guitar idols necessarily. I like good songwriters, so like that's where I would go generally. But I mean, Jimmy Jimmy Page is probably the greatest guitar player of all time. Yeah, no. Uh, oh God. See now you're fucking me up because now this is like I would gone to head it best guitars of all time. I would say Stevie Ray Vaughan is. I mean, and and you can obviously critique me on this, but I would say he's the best guitarist ever. I mean, for me, Stevie Ray was very influential for me. And I mean, Stevie Ray's goat. But if you're going to say that, I mean, Hendri- he learned everything he did from Hendrix and, and Albert King. So, I mean, to me, the most important guitar player of all time is easily Jimi Hendrix. He fucking changed the world. Nobody would be doing what they were doing if it wasn't for Jimi Hendrix. But I mean, you can look back and say, you know, Robert Johnson, uh, one of the original blues pioneers would be the guy. So it always goes back. We're, we're going to cover a lot of history in this podcast as well. You know, why do things sound the way that they are? Why, why are... You know why everything goes back to blues. Everything in American music goes back to blues. Everything goes, it's all cyclical. It all, it all goes back to one place. So it, it, there's so many conversations that can be had. And I'm going to lace you with some absolute fucking knowledge on this podcast. Okay. I can tell you that much. Like I said earlier, that's what I eat up. I eat that shit up. I just love the, I like history in general, like Me too. US history. Um, but music history is not something that people typically gravitate towards. And I do, and I can't wait to learn a few things. Um, one guy I do want you to check out, and I don't know if I should say. I'll, actually, I'll, I'll just I'll throw it out there so you can check him out until we record next. But um, check out Isaiah Sharkey. Um, I know that name. We we talked about him before. Have I, have we talked about him before? Yes, because I, I know the name. I I was at a John Mayer concert at the United Center. This was obviously prior to lockdown, so I, this would have been about a year and a half ago. It was around my birthday, so like. October of 2000, it would have been 19. And so John Mayer, when he's on tour, I, I don't know if he does this other places, but he's done this in Chicago a few times. Um, Isaiah Sharkey is just some local. I looked him up on Twitter. He had 2,000 followers Wow! at the time. So uh, he just, he like, he obviously knows everything and everybody. And he's like, find the best guitarist you have in Chicago. And it's oh, so cool. Brought out Isaiah Sharkey. There is like a 15 minute stretch in the concert, the last John Mayer concert I saw where John Mayer just like sat down in a chair and just was like in awe at this guy. I love and it. I was just sitting up there doing his thing on the guitar and, and he plays on like, at, like I was talking about earlier, he just plays on local, like a local circuit basically. I love that. So on this podcast, well, we're going to cover a lot of things that we've done because we have some really cool fucking stories from the road and festivals and stuff like that. We, we played a huge festival in Delaware and we played like an hour before the killers and I'm a diehard killers guy. So, um, yeah. Who is in our age? They, they pulled up a random kid from the crowd with a sign that said, let me play drums on this song. And he went up there and fucking smashed it. I've seen that happen with Bruce Springsteen. I've seen that happen with the killers. And then Gary Clark Jr. Who I brought up, brought up a 10 year old kid who absolutely destroyed catfish blues. I'm a big fan of bringing up people just to see what the fuck they can do. Yeah, that's that's like that's a kind of. It's, I, I know we like joke around about it, but if I was like a world famous Chris Shiplett type, you know, guitarist, I would love to do that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, I. It was a Foo Fighters concert. It was. I was just watching because I like watching live shows on on YouTube. Me too. Uh, Dave Grohl brought someone on stage that had it like a Dave Grohl shirt, and he and Dave and it was a Dave Grohl like image, and Dave Grohl was wearing the same shirt that was on the shirt <laughs> like he just happened to be wearing it at the concert and dave Grohl noticed it on stage he's like come on up come on up so See, that, that's why the food fighters are the fucking best dude they really are 
this, and I, do you, I mean, do you come across a bunch of musicians and, and bands that you're just like, fuck these guys? Yes. I mean, I, we, we, we have stories for days where, I mean, we've opened for so many bands, like so many bands that you know, and so many, and there's been so many people that I've met that I've been like, those, like I met Portugal, the man who are really cool guys. Um, I mean, I, I, I always tell the story in the podcast, but I tackled Mark Foster from Foster the People at a festival one time because we were mo- we were moshing to the Ar- Arctic Monkeys and he I tackled him by accident. I've met a lot of really cool people. Um, there's a band that I will not say the name. We covered this on a recent podcast, but uh, they were a 90s band that were really big. And uh, we showed up for soundcheck because it was in Philly. We, just, we got off a tour and somebody asked us to open for this band and they made us stand outside for an hour while they soundchecked. And then their road crew yelled at us. It was really weird. Long story short, we fucking smashed this set. And uh, after the set, the singer of this band was standing side stage. And I blew him a kiss and just walked right by him when, I, when we finished up. I don't give a fuck. I'll let you know if you're an asshole. I have no problem doing that. I love that. That's, and that, that's how I roll, too, just in life in general. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to just get the ball rolling on this and, and learn a lot. And I hope I could bring some – sort of expertise in some way or another but uh i think we've learned from the first episode here that we both bring unique perspective we both bring unique circumstances and then at the end of the day this is going to be fucking awesome and i I just want to thank chris shiflett for being on today for our first guest i mean we've fucking set the bar pretty goddamn high and uh i'm excited for the the crop of people that we do have coming up because we have a lot of people that want to be involved in this and this shit's going to fucking start flying i'm really excited i want to thank you for being a part of it because this is exactly what i wanted to happen when we started the podcast i wanted to bring on people that were good people and we've clicked obviously and this shit's going to be so much fun now it's fucking on the guest list baby it's on the guest list and we'll catch you guys next week tune in um I mean, Dave's going to – I think, Dave, Dave, you're going to be in New York, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be in New York, so I'll be recording from out there. But um, we'll figure it out. I'll, I'll have, like, actual a media center at my disposal, which will be I'm nice. excited, too, because I can't wait. Because I believe, Dave, <laughs> let people know you're living in HQ. Yeah, I'm living in HQ for Saturday through Saturday for a bar stool. It's, it's, like, it's sort of like Survivor, the TV show, which I've never seen one second of. Well, so, good luck, dude, because <laughs> – Ten grand richer come this time next week. Also, it could be worse. Like it's not like you're staying in a fucking warehouse or staying no. in HQ. It's nice. So there's a shower there, so I'll be able to you know shower and brush my teeth. I'm not on some deserted island. Not that they are actually on the show. But it'll, uh, be, it'll be you, Frank the Tank, hanging out. <laughs> Just, I met him for the first time uh, last time I was out there. Dude, what an electric factory. Uh, before we get out of here, last thing we're gonna do, we do this every week now. Uh, we're doing our working class hero pick of the week. Uh, this week, Asbury Park's own Connor Bracken and the Mother Leeds band. Fucking great guys. We've become friends through social media. Awesome band. If you're a fan of just good Northeast rock and roll, fucking straight up. If you're a fan of Gaslight Anthem, you're a fan of any, anything that's just straight up rock and roll, you're going to love this shit. Great guy. Uh, I picked the song Read On You from their latest album. Fucking outstanding. Great shit. Find them on Spotify. Um, Dave, anything you, anything you want to add before we get out of here? No, let's just burn it to the ground, man. That's what we're here for, baby. All right, thank you for tuning in to the first week of On The Guest List. We'll be back next week. Fuck you guys. We love you.
Read on you. 